Hi there, I'm Jennifer Stewart. And I'm Katherine Clark. And we're kicking off a new year and a new season of The Honest Talk. We are so excited to bring you even more conversations with some of North America's most inspiring women. And as usual, we're leaving behind the talking points and bringing you real, raw, and honest talk. Through these conversations and the fabric of each woman's unique story, we're creating a community of compassion, strength, and unity for our guests and our listeners. So tune in and let's get right to it. Anna Maria Tremonti began her journalism career while still at the University of Windsor, and she's never looked back. She's covered major stories from across this country and around the world, including as a senior reporter for CBC's The National, as a co-host for The Fifth Estate, and as a foreign correspondent reporting from global capitals and major conflict zones. For 17 years, Anna Maria also served as the host of Canada's most listened to radio show, CBC's flagship morning current affairs program, The Current, which drew in more than 1 million listeners a day. Anna Maria stepped out of The Current in 2019, but she certainly did not step away from journalism. The award-winning journalist is now host of the popular podcast, More with Anna Maria Tremonti, and we are absolutely thrilled to welcome her to The Honest Talk today. Anna Maria, thank you so much for joining us. Well, hello, and thank you so much for asking. So, Anna Maria, why did you step away from The Current? A number of reasons. Um, The one really was that there are other stories and things I wanted to do. And I was noodling how I would do them and do that because The Current really was a full-time job, took a lot of time, took a lot of time after work. And I loved it, but I also felt that um, I've always moved on, even you know, uh, with different assignments and stuff. And 17 years is a long time. And I, I looked around and thought about the other things I wanted to do. And this was just as podcasting was, uh, you know, podcasting had actually been around for a while, but when it was really taking off. And I realized that you can tell stories in different ways with podcasting. And I wanted to play in that um, in that space. And so I, I thought about it a lot because I could have just stayed and done it sort of on the side, but I, I wanted to give it my full attention and try it out. And so what I've done with more, the first one is really to keep my hand in interviewing, but I'm working on something that I'm still not talking about yet, but which is a serialized story for podcast and that's really why. But I also believe in renewal. I believe in um, it's time to move on. A show like that uh, takes a lot of energy and brings a lot of energy. And you kind of want to leave when it's still at a really nice place. Mm. And it's really important. You know, I came up through the CBC. I spent so much time at the CBC. And, and I think it's important that that at some point in your career, you make space for other people to do things and you know, still explore a way to do things yourself. I didn't have to hang on to it all on my own. And so I felt good about the timing. You know, the use of the term renewal is is very interesting because a lot of the women in our audience are looking at that too, are looking at different stages in their lives, different challenges that they're encountering and, and different ways of, of proceeding, basically. And you made a choice that's kind of scary. I mean, stepping away from anything you've been doing for 17 years that you know how to do in your sleep. That's, that's scary. Um, 
what what was the most difficult part about leaving, but what was also a revelation to you after you'd made the change? Well, I thought about it for three years because I knew it would be a very big deal to leave. And what if I regretted it, right? And uh, I mean, I, there's so many things I loved about being at The Current, the most important being that we could take stories that were out in the world and maybe um, take a look at them differently and spend a lot of time on them that most broadcasters don't have that kind of time to do and really discuss issues. And, and so I loved that. Um, what, you know, what was becoming harder was actually the hours, the hours are long. And, um, and also we had covered so much territory and I just you know, felt it's time to try something new. But but the thing that I loved, I mean, even the early morning, like walking into the building at quarter to six and walking off the elevator and where there's a very small morning team working with you, it's something that's really special. And I remember I would say to myself, you know, this will be the last <laughs> October, whatever, that you're going to get this. You better be ready for this. Like, are you wow. sure you want to let this go? Like, I really thought about it. So, um, and I, I thought, yeah, because I want to try something different. And if I don't, now that I've started to think of something different, if I don't try, I'm always going to wonder if I could have done it. I'm always going to wonder, why didn't you try it? And so once it was in my head, I had to. But I do love the trajectory of your career and the notion of what if, what if you jump from being a foreign correspondent to having your own radio show? What if you jump to your own podcast? And I think so many women have those what if moments, but we don't always follow through because we're, we're scared of change or we're scared of kind of shaking up the status quo. Where do you think you get that drive and that um, courage to actually make those shifts in, in your career and your life? Well, I think fundamentally, I am less afraid of change than I am afraid of never changing. Hmm. I'm less afraid of trying and more afraid of not trying. And so right away, I see things through that prism. And that makes me want to try something else. The other thing, I guess, is that in some ways, I've always felt I had a safety net. You know, if I went to one job and I didn't like it, you know, I was, I've been a broadcast journalist my entire career. And I, mm -hmm. I have, even when I went to The Current, I remember talking to the head of radio at the time. And I said to him, what if I'm no good at this? And he says, then you'll go back to being a reporter. Mm -hmm. Like, give it a try. Right. And, and so sometimes if we just say to ourselves, if you follow through with the what if, you know, maybe it's not as bad as you think it might be. Now, of course, you know, we have obligations and responsibilities and mortgage payments. And so not everything is easy to leap from. But sometimes I think um, we can become afraid of change. And I've always been afraid of calcifying. I've been afraid mm -hmm. of staying too rigid and not trying to change. So that's kind of what happens in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> So you're hosting more now that that really is conversational. And yet now you're having these long format conversations with people, which is exposing uh, their humanity in a very different way. What are you getting out of that? It's another way of interviewing. It's another way of talking. I wanted to explore that very thing. I wanted to explore the idea of even longer form conversation um, I really believe that conversation 
can work uh, to cure a lot of things, that if we would just talk things through or we could hear other people having conversations, it would be easier for us to do the same. And so I wanted to do that. And as a team, you know, we picked um, the people we chose, but it was a, it was a bit of a change for me because, you know, with the current, you, you really know you're going to start at A and you really want to end up somewhere at, you know, LMNOP or something. Then you, you have an arc to that conversation right. that you plan with, with more, it was like, instead of having a, you know, I want to start here and I really want to see if I can move them through this kind of conversation. It was like, having clusters of ideas to talk to someone about and then seeing where it would go. And the first time I did it, I actually called uh, my producer up the night before we were the first one we were going to record was before a live audience. And I said, you know, I'm just nervous about this. I'm just going to write out a question line as if it was the current and then I'll, I'll change it as I go. And she said, no, you're not. <laughs> because I know you, you're going to just do a current interview and you're not working for the current anymore. And so I said, okay, fine. <laughs> and so I just did it the other way. And it became, it was the conversation I did with Vivek Shreya and it became right. a different kind of thing. So, um, you know, it, it, it's again, that thing about letting go and trying to learn more and learn a little differently, but it's all with the idea that if you have a longer conversation you learn things about someone and maybe you go down a little rabbit hole that you're not expecting. Mm. And if you do, you get to follow it. Whereas at the current, I couldn't always do that. Sometimes we would go down a rabbit hole and we'd have to cut it out because it really was off topic. Mm. I, I've heard you talk about the value of listening and you just spoke a lot about the ability to keep learning about people. You know, I think as a society too often, we don't listen enough. We want to hear ourselves talk and you're in a really unique role where, where you do get to listen and you get to probe and, and you get to continuously learn. What's been your biggest lesson learned since starting more? Hmm. Um, listening differently again, I think. Understanding that I don't have to know everything about where someone's going to feel that it's a worthy conversation. I will admit to you that there are a few, um, and we've only put out one season of more, but there were more than one conversation in there where I, I, I ended and I looked through the glass at my producer and I, I said, is that okay with you? Like, did we, but because it was the idea that, again, you're supposed to drive a specific kind of information. So um, just by listening and seeing where they wanted to go and then trying to pick up on that has been, it's, it's been valuable for me and how much I enjoyed it. It doesn't have to be about something that is in the news right now. It can be a conversation that you can pick up on and listen to six months later and still maybe learn something about someone and in the process learn something about humanity at the same time. Can I ask you about the long format question too? Like you talk about long format conversations and we are such an instant world now. And we're a world where, you know, we try to condense everything into to a tweet or a, a short post on social media. And yet here you are having these conversations which are in-depth and probing and personal. Do you think there is genuinely still a market for those kinds of conversations? Or do you think that market is coming back as our world just keeps going faster and faster and faces crises that seem to come right to our doorstep because of the immediacy of news? 
I think there is a huge appetite for this. Um, it doesn't mean we don't want other things in quick bursts like news. You want to know what's going on. You want to be updated, that kind of thing. But I also think that um, we live in exactly the world you're talking about. And even in social media, these short bursts of, of, you know, things on Twitter or something on Instagram. And sometimes we just need to be able to like listen to something. And of course, the beauty of a podcast is almost everybody listens with earbuds in. And so it's in your head. And as you listen, you feel like you're part of the conversation. And that's also important too, because in, in a world where everything is in bursts, you need that time to think. And not everybody has the, you know, not everybody gets to have a long conversation with somebody. And so you can have one as if you're the next person in the room. Did you know early on that you wanted to be the purveyor of these conversations? I know you started your journalism career at university. You immediately went into the field. When did you realize the power of being a journalist in, in communicating to others and what that can mean to our world? You know, I knew very little early on. <laughs> um, my life is a learning process. I wanted to stay out of the studio for most of my career, and I made a real point of doing that. So the fact that I went into the studio for The Current was because we had talked about a new way of, of doing conversations, and it would be like still bringing that reporting world in in a different way. And that was through conversations that weren't like just three-minute interviews or five-minute mm -hmm. interviews. But um, no, the more I learned about journalism, the more I wanted to learn. I, I came out of university um, and I, I had a, I'd gone in wanting to be a playwright. I, I, you know, I thought journalists were writers who couldn't get work. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, but I joined my student newspaper and I, I fell in love with chasing stories. And then, and, you know, then I got out of university and the first job I got was in radio. I had put out, you know, all sorts of resumes, print radio, and that's, and, and then the more I learned about it and the more I saw that the, there was more to it, the more I wanted to pursue that. So I went from doing, you know, short reporting and reading five minute newscasts and private radio to wanting to do more and to seeking out where I could do more. I read a quote from you where you said something about loving being a foreign correspondent, partly because, you know, you were in remarkable places, but also because your bosses were far away and that <laughs> you had a lot of autonomy. But the flip side to that is that you were a part of history and not all of it was pretty. In fact, you saw a lot of death and destruction and violence and the worst side of humanity, both, you know, at the micro level, but even at the macro level in terms of politics gone wrong. How do you handle those tough memories of the things that you saw that didn't make it to the screen or onto radio? A lot of it did, and um, I, I would I would write about it uh, in in my stories, even if they were short stories. I, you know, I think life has been cruel to a lot of people, and um, I think it's important that we we understand what people are going through in in times of war or in times of political upheaval, and you know what political decisions mean. And so I, I wanted to be part of trying to find a way to put those stories forward. Um, some of it has just always stayed with me. I mean, the war in Bosnia was really a pivotal moment in my career. 
it was for my bosses. It was as if they kind of went, oh, she knows how to report. Um, but for me, it was, you know, it was it was working around and meeting people in in terrible trauma. And, and it was seeing how they reacted with the grace and the, their ability to survive. Um, I think I've been more affected by the people who've been able to walk away than the people who I never knew because they were killed. And I would say that about even living in Jerusalem. I, I would, you know, show up at a suicide bombing in Jerusalem. And when, you know, just as it would happen, you could hear it in the city, it would go off and you'd know, and you'd have to figure out where, where is it? But sometimes I would get there very quickly. And um, the faces of the people who were being helped away or could walk away would say so much and it would just stay with me. So sometimes it's that that has stayed with me more. And, um, you know, what I've tried to do in my reporting is to be true to that kind of thing, to what I am seeing and what I am hearing from the people going through something. That's really interesting uh, that you take that perspective and that you have to come back to Canada when you were a foreign correspondent and have to process those memories. What kind of tips or techniques have you adopted over your lifetime to to process those moments? Because that's not normal. Normal Canadians aren't on the front lines of war. Well, I was fortunate enough to work with good people so I could talk about it at the end of the day. When you're based in some of these cities where you're doing a lot of this work, like Jerusalem, I was in Berlin when I was covering the war in um, Bosnia. Um, there is a community of foreign correspondents and you can learn a lot from fellow journalists. And, uh, you know, there's it's not the same kind of competition in fact, there's a lot of help. And um, and so you can talk about things and you can put them in perspective um, and you can talk to other people. Again, when you're living there, you know, you can talk to people. So in Jerusalem, of course, I had Palestinian and Israeli Jewish friends and um, we would talk about these things all the time. And so I would I would I would get a perspective on this through them, because, again, they're living there. They're not posted there. They're not going to move and it's the same in a war zone. You know, I had a ticket out. Other people don't. And so there's a, there's a lot of um, a word I use that isn't a word. Perspectifying you can do to kind of just put it in its place mm. um, and then talk about it when you need to on the other side. If you could tell us one lesson that you learned over the course of your career, something that may have changed how you approached your job. Is there something? I've learned that you know, um, sometimes to take a step back, not to make assumptions, not to make judgments. And it's, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm holier than anyone or anything like that, but I, I have learned to just say to myself, you know, you don't know who you're passing on the street. So don't judge them too harshly. Hmm. I love that. Anna Maria, people feel like they know you, you know, for decades, you've been on television screens, you've been on the radio, but you are always interviewing other people. What's something that you would like people to know about you as a person that they don't know? Oh, gosh, <laughs> I think I, I think I'm such a private person that I've actually really tried to keep it that way. Um, I, I don't know. Um what can I say? I'm, um, 
I'm not as serious as you might think I am. Um, I can be, I'm a pretty goofy person. A lot of people think that I, because of what they have heard on the radio, that I'm, that I really have it together. And no, I can fester about the smallest little thing. I really do care about what people think. You know, I, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings and I don't want people to feel I don't want them to hate me. Um, <laughs> and I do fester. Did I ask the right question? I don't want people to think I asked a stupid question. All those things, you know, I have my own insecurities, you know, at the same time. Gosh, I don't even know what to say. That's such a good question. You see what you got me now. <laughs> but I think it's so important for people to hear, because to your point, I think people do have the perception that you have it all together. You know, you've been on the front lines of war. You've been on our radio stations. You've interviewed some of the most incredible individuals. But as women, you know, our audience, even at the most successful position, uh, you, you don't always have it all together. And I think that's OK. Right. That facade that we portray that, you know, we always are at the top for a game at all times. It's just it's just not true. I, I think so many of us, we, we try to juggle so many things and we wonder if we're doing things right as women, you know, um, and I've worked with a lot of women who are a decade, a decade and a half younger than me. And and I see them worrying about things that I worried about once. And, you know, I I, I like to tell people it's OK to take time for yourself and it's OK to take time for your life. And your career is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, but, you know, and I've had regrets, too. I never had children. I didn't plan it that way. It just ended up that way. And now I'm lucky enough to have, you know, my partner's children in my life. And and I have other people's children in my life. But there's lots of things that didn't go the way I thought they would go when I was in my early 20s. And when I got to my 50s, I realized that we all came at that age from different paths. And none of us thought we were perfect. And I would, would tell my younger colleagues, it's okay, you'll second guess yourself later anyway. So go ahead and do what you think you need to do now. And understand that you don't have to be the first and the youngest and the best. Just, just do what works for you and you'll be okay. You know, like, because I think we really put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I can't tell you how inspiring and remarkable this conversation has been, Anna Maria. It's just been such a, a revelation and a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you. And Jen and I are truly grateful that you would take the time to chat with us, but also that you would be so candid. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's a wrap. And to our listeners across Canada and around the world, thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to The Honest Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen on our website, thehonesttalk.ca. We've got inspiring, dynamic guests lined up, and we look forward to having you back for The Honest Talk.